You are listening to the Grow Law Firm Podcast, where each guest shares actionable, practical ideas with you on how to get more clients, expand your reach, and grow your law firm's revenue and profit. Here's your host, Sasha Burson. Welcome to Grow Law Firm Podcast. I have an amazing guest here with me today, Jesse Fry of Scale Legal. Jesse, I love the name of your company. What does it mean? I understand, I understand what it stands for, but what does that actually mean in practical terms and what it is that you do for obviously law firms? Yeah, so Scale Legal really came to fruition whenever I realized that most law firms really struggle with scaling a lot of aspects of their business. And as you can imagine, like most businesses, you kind of niche down, niche down, niche down. But we really kind of came to the point of wanting to create a service provider business, helping law firms really improve their client experience. So we really help law firms kind of identify their overall client experience, where their gaps are, where their opportunities are, where the friction points are, and help them scale and grow both profitability, but increasing customer satisfaction. That's super interesting. And, and here's why I find it so interesting is I get to speak with probably least hundred attorneys one-on-one every year, whether it's like this or at the conference. And I don't think attorneys, law firm owners, think very much about customer experience. And I think that their lack of thought when it comes to that is rooted in the fact that most attorneys are transactional attorneys. And I don't mean that they work on transactions. Their relationship with the client is very transactional, meaning you have a legal problem, you come to me, I help you address that problem or a need, and then we're done. Right. Forever. Like, what is the probability that you will need another estate plan? You may need an update a few years down the road, but what is the probability, God forbid, you're going to need a divorce attorney again in your life? Yeah, I mean, the stats are there, but it's not very likely. Another DUI. Maybe not like those things. It just seems that like it's one and done with every client. So customer experience, I think, is an afterthought. So maybe you could speak about like the value to the business, to the legal business, that an optimized customer experience could bring. Yeah, I totally hear exactly what you're saying, and I see that as well. You know, even in the space, like maybe even business attorneys, for example. Business attorneys have probably a little bit more of an ongoing relationship with their clients. But in those transactional spaces, there's still a lot of opportunity for the customer experience to be amazing. And that really comes down to two areas that law firms focus on, or or not focus on, but they struggle with. Mm -hmm. Referrals are the lifeblood of almost every law firm. So if you create an average customer experience or you create a below average customer experience, the likelihood of you getting a referral from that that particular transaction is pretty slim. So I see it as one, as an opportunity to increase the number of referrals that come into the firm. But the other aspect of it is, is brand, right? A lot of law firms, they don't think of their brand, but building a brand that has amazing customer satisfaction a great customer experience is great for their brand. And then the third part, you know, I always look at revenue, but the third part is really around a unique differentiation in the market. So when you're a transactional attorney and you're providing, and I'm going to be very loose with my terms, a commodity, right? An estate plan could be looked at as a commodity handling a transaction. 
can be looked at as a commodity because so many other attorneys are providing that service. There's really no unique differentiation, right? You all go through the same process, you go through the same court, and you have the hopefully the same outcome, right, for, for your client. If we look at immigration, for example, if they're filling out, you know, they're going through the process to get a visa and then ultimately a green card, that process is really the same across every single one of the immigration attorneys. But having an amazing customer experience provides a unique differentiation in your market, which then sets you above all the other attorneys, which gives you great Google reviews, great referrals, and repeat business. So many excellent points there, but I really just want to zero in on what I always think of the most important points, like brand value. The most attorneys is a foreign word, right? So, so they will never think about that, but they will think about more referrals yep. equals more revenue. Correct. More positive reviews on Google, for example, equals more revenue, right? So when you right. think about improving customer experience, and usually it's not cost to improve customer experience yep. will increase your revenue. And I think that improving customer experience, and I'm not a customer experience expert, but from everything that I've read on the matter, improving customer experience starts from the first interaction yep. at that potential client as with your law. So it's before they actually sign an engagement letter, before they pay yep. you anything. Yep. So in a nutshell, how do you help law firms improve that customer client experience? And what would be a typical outcome for a typical small law firm under 10, uh, under 10 lawyers? Yeah, I, I love that you said that because I say the same thing. It starts from the moment they first become aware of you, if you're a solo attorney or your firm. And what, what we like to do is really focus on kind of that pre- sign the engagement lever, uh, letter portion of the customer experience because that's the easiest to really kind of make modifications and it's probably the biggest pain point. But our, we have two goals, right? The goal is to create a great customer experience, but the second goal is to increase the number of engagement signings, right? The, mm -hmm. the number of people that are paying the firm. So what we like to do is really look at, I don't want to focus on the lead generation side of it, right? But once that lead is coming to your firm, we improve the intake process, right? Really evaluating what your current intake process looks like, whether or not your team, if you have a team of people, if there's room to improve, uh, what type of questions are, be that are you asking? Is it going to be transactional? Meaning, are you going to really be sold from a, from a price point perspective? Because if you're selling on a price point perspective, that's also a challenge. So our goal is to help increase the number, the volume of revenue per transaction. So improving that intake process, but also what happens from the time that you have intake call to consultation? Are people showing up for the consult or not? How does the consult actually go? And then the last part, a lot of law firms that I've noticed lose a lot of opportunity by not having a great follow-up process. So really building out an amazing follow-up process, and then that initial, you know, get the signing done, and then on to the onboarding. And we can help with the onboarding as well, but really like the focus from intake to sign, and to automate that process as much as possible, but also make it really personalized. 
and that when your clients are done and they go, I can't imagine not signing the fee agreement because I've been treated so well up to this point that it's only going to get better once I start working with this firm. So we like to focus on that kind of the top, I'll call it middle of the funnel, right? When we think about marketing, but from that intake to a fee agreement signature. Yeah, this is such an incredibly important point. So just about every attorney you get to speak with throughout the year, one of the main reasons why we're talking is we're talking about increasing revenue. Yep. Usually the lowest hanging fruit is not getting more leads. It's improving the close rate or conversion rate as attorneys refer to it. Yeah, 100%. On the intake side. So let, let's just dive into that. Let's imagine that your law firm gets some referrals and some leads are coming off the internet and whatever other source. And you just know that your blended conversion rate is about 20%. One out of five leads becomes a client. Yep. And your lead volume is decent. Let's say that you are getting 20 leads a month. It's not great. It's okay. It's decent. It's enough to provide for the family. With close rate of 20% on 20 leads, you're getting four new clients per month. Yep. And average case value, as it happens to be for most attorneys, like around $5,000 in most yep. practices, not on cop, not including EI work. So you get four cases, each value that's $5,000, so that's $20,000 in revenue. Now, imagine that you improve your customer service experience and your close rate goes from 20% to 30%, which is not a huge leap. No, it's not. No, right? It's not like you went from 20% to 80%. You just went from 20% to 30%. Yeah. You get the same when you lead a model. Your lead volume is the same, but now instead of signing four cases, you sign six cases. That's yeah. a huge jump. Percentage-wise, it is. Number of cases, it's not. Percentage-wise, you just jump. By 50% on four yep. to six. That's a huge jump. Yeah, it is huge. A revenue goes now from 20,000 to 28,000. Right. They say 4,000 or 5,000. You said uh, 5,000. Good. Yeah, so it yeah. goes from 20,000 to 30,000, which right. increases your revenue by 50%. Yeah. So at the end of year one, you increase your revenue by $120,000. Now, yeah. let's imagine that you're going to be in business for another 15 years. So that's 120,000 times 15, that's 1.8 million. Yeah. And let's imagine that you invest that money. We're recording this on summer of 2023. You can easily put that money at a compounding rate at like four, four and a half percent today in the bank. And let's say that after tax, $1.8 million is roughly like 1.2 million. And you just keep on putting it away. You put it into S&P 500, which traditionally returns about 10% compounded annually. And you do this every year. You're going to be multi-millionaire. Yeah. Just because you improved your customer service experience, just in the intake phase. Yeah. We're not talking about referrals. We're only talking about just improve. And here's anecdotal evidence. Recently, I got married for the second time. I'm in my 40s. One of the things that with my wife and I wants to take care of, we did a prenup. Before we got married, I reached out to five local family law attorneys. Here's my experience. Out of five local Law firm attorneys, two called you back. Never, never called me back. Oh, two never called you back. Okay, yeah. two never called me back. They never responded to my inquiry. Period. Yeah, like crickets. We don't give a shit about your money kind of situation. Yeah, yeah. 
no care. We're not taking you. Bye. Third one sent me an email saying, call us at this number to schedule a consult. I got a big laugh out of me and I'm like, I'm writing to you. I am a client who is ready to just like, look, let's get it done. My case is super simple. Yep. Our assets and liabilities are already on a spreadsheet. Take my money, take the spreadsheet, fill out the template. You'll never have an easier client. I'm like ready to go. I read about it. I know what needs to be done. Call our office to schedule an appointment. Oh no. Like, I'll never do that. And two, I actually had a conversation with one was very insightful, spent decent amount of time on the phone with me. But the retainer that she requested seemed a little high. And when I asked her about that, she couldn't really answer it other than, well, that's just my retainer. Right. This is what I do every day. The other attorney asked me for a retainer that was 33% lower. Mm. And I said, just send me an engagement letter. I'll sign it. I'll send you my spreadsheet with assets and liabilities and let me know when it's done because we are, my bride and I are on the same page about everything. Yeah. There's nothing that will be contested. Like yeah. just fill out the, the template and I'll pay you the money. Yeah. And the guy's like, cool, no problem. He had that retainer letter for me like within an hour. Yeah. I signed it within one minute because I just blasted over. And he did a fine job. The lady who consulted me but didn't get my business and asked for a retainer that was 33% higher, I'm sure she would have done the same excellent job on this retainer. Yeah. I just didn't know the market. Yeah. So her intake process was like a really the experience was dampened by what she asked me for that retainer. I couldn't explain why it was so high. Yeah. By the way, if the actual fees at the end of the story with the attorney who I hired exceeded our initial retainer amount, and then exceeded her retainer amount, what would I have done? Ran and hired another lawyer in the midst of having this document prepared for me? Absolutely not. I would have paid whatever it took to get the job done. Yeah. So three very distinct experiences. Two, never called. Well, four, yeah. two never called. One, emailed and said, call us. One, excellent advisor couldn't close the deal and another one closed the deal. By the way, my conversation with the second guy was under 20 minutes. Yeah. That's the difference of customer service experience upfront, just in the intake process. We're not talking about referrals. Yeah. Yeah. And you, what you said about the the people not calling, that is pretty common, right? I've seen it myself and, and I was looking for an estate planning attorney. And once I bought a house, I wanted to put it into a trust, things like that. And I had a lot of people now call me back and then I look and, you know, see why they only have two or three Google reviews. It's because they're not taking phone calls. But then the the one that actually required you to call their office, I say all the time when I'm talking with, uh, you know, law firms, nobody wants to really talk to you in today's day and age, right? It's, we don't, it's not like 20 years ago or, you know, 15 years ago where people actually talked on the phone. People want a text message. They don't want to even read their emails. Most most people, they don't want to read their emails. And the reality is most of the law firms that I know, their teams are overwhelmed with emails. So you don't want to read your emails either. So developing a process that is streamlined, where it's almost self-service, where people can book their own appointment with you, where there's text messages that are communicating with you, it doesn't take a lot of changes. There's a lot of really minor things that you can do that make 
a huge impact on conversion, but also on customer satisfaction. And I love that you pointed out just improving the conversions. Your math, I, I couldn't follow. I'm not as great as math as you are, obviously. But um, it's really important that if you make small incremental changes in your upfront process, your cost of acquisition goes down, right? Because you're not spending as much on ads. A lot of people use, you know, Google local services ads. Your cost of acquisition goes down. So that return on investment is even higher because now your cost of acquiring is so much lower. And the other thing that I always say we, we actually do an analysis of the, of the funnel of really understanding where people are, are losing or where they have an opportunity to improve the process. A lot of times people are bringing in the wrong clients. So one of the first steps we do is we focus on building out a customer avatar, like a really clear customer avatar so that we know how to move people through the funnel. But you can also work with your marketing agency, whoever you're working with, to bring in the right people or you can communicate differently to your referral sources to make sure they understand who your ideal customer is. And that will also, that minor change of knowing who your customer avatar is or your ideal customer profile will really see an increase in conversions as well. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. It seems like a small thing, but it's like, if you think about fixing the problem and then operating the business for another 10, 15 years, now we're talking about the difference that's millions. Yeah. Millions. And yeah. we're still only talking about intake. We're not talking about referrals, the additional business that you would be getting from there. Yeah. And we're not even talking about if you, it, a lot of times, you know, you'll have an intake team that takes your inbound phone calls, responds to emails, text messages. They get scheduled with an attorney. So if you're a solo attorney, they're getting scheduled with you. But then there's that follow-up process. So many law firms and, and solos they don't do a great job of following up with people that don't initially say yes, right? There are those people that say, hey, give me, like you, you said, send me your retainer agreement. That follow-up process is important because let's say you, they sent you the retainer, pro, the, the retainer agreement and you didn't sign their fee agreement, maybe within 24, 48 hours, they just kind of discount it and say, oh, I guess they're not interested anymore. But if, you, else. if you put a follow-up process in place, you could capture even more revenue. So you have that front side, but you also have the back side of it as well. So you could see that million dollars turn into $3 million just right. by making some changes and your cost of acquisition goes down even further because you're converting more people. Yeah, it's so true, but most lawyers, because they do not have it. I know this may hurt someone's feelings, but I interact so far over the years I've interacted with thousands of attorneys one-on-one. -on -one. Most lawyers, incredibly smart people with incredibly poor business acumen. Yep. So the capacity is there. Capability at the moment is not, right? Yeah. So it's just like, can you catch up? You can catch up. You just need to focus on like the business side of things rather than just think about law because the moment you become an owner of a law firm, no longer lawyer, primarily, you're now a lawyer secondary. You're primarily a business operator. You better think and focus on the business. Yeah. So, so they don't think about it this way. Uh, some anecdotal evidence as to what you said about follow-up. So I forget which conference uh, I was at, but it was last fall, 2022. There was an attorney, young guy, 
He partnered with his father, who has been practicing for three decades. And now he is the primary operator of the law firm. He said, one of the first things that I came in and fixed was like, well, where are we with customer experience on the intake? Because he's like, we were looking for low hanging fruit to increase revenue. And he realized that our intake process is broken and there is no follow-up process. So he actually had gone to the Philippines, had a team develop their own technology because he didn't find any of the practice management software good enough for the intake process. Yeah. So they built him a module for the intake that he paired up, I think, with Clio. And he's like, now our follow-up process, I'm just follow just focused on the follow-up process, includes a minimum of 13 communications, follow-up communications. And those communications go through various channels. As in like, yes, we will call you. Yes, we will email you. Yes, we will text message you. Yes, we will send you a letter. Mm -hmm. The reason for that is a lost prospect is a double cost. There is a cost that you spend attracting that prospect yeah. and selling to that prospect because you already spent time on the phone, whether it was an intake specialist or an attorney. Yep. You already allocated those resources and now they're gone. So that's cost number one. And cost number two is the opportunity cost. You didn't get the revenue. Yeah. So let's say that, that on attraction side and initial intake is 500 bucks just 10% of the $5,000 potential revenue on the opportunity cost that's another five grand we'll subtract that 500 bucks from it and that's 4,500 bucks so your yeah. total missed revenue is $5,000 yeah how much are you willing to allocate to capture that revenue oh. how about 300 bucks 200 bucks 100 bucks you have to if you have technology to do the follow-up for you it just does it for you. It may sound like it's a lot more labor from a lawyer's end, but if you actually have the technology in place that will do all that follow-up, except for phone calls, we'll just remind your intake specialists to follow up by phone. Yep. Not more labor on your end, attorney's end, yeah, at all. But the revenues, he said that their close rate, I don't remember the exact numbers, but they remember that well more than double wow. after they implemented the follow-up process with 13 steps. Yeah, I said it was very, it was very simple. Yeah, but you have to have a process to make that work. Yeah, right? yeah. it can be done automatically. It doesn't work. Yeah. So, so the excellent insights. Anything else you'd wish attorneys, law firm owners would learn about how to improve customer service experience and what type of result from your experience working with other law firm owners? But I should have asked you, what is the size of a typical client for you? I don't think they're solos. Yeah, I mean, did you all think about this things? Ideally, ideally, you know, the solo that has a couple employees, maybe an intake specialist, a paralegal, something like that, all the way up to you know multiple attorneys. So I would say like a, a thirty to fifty employee firm, right? I think once you get into the big corporate firm, they've got a lot of their processes yep. already built out. Although I still know, uh, I've talked to some very large, you know, 30 or 40 offices across the country, and they still struggle with customer experience. They, they have their intake process usually down, but a lot they don't have a lot of follow-up. Sometimes they don't have a lot of onboarding processes as well. So it really depends, but I prefer to work with, you know, kind of that solo up to about 30 or 40 employees. They're just more enjoyable to work with and not as much red tape, I guess. 
but I, I think what, what really, I think the key that I think is important, you ask me what, you know, what, what do I think that they should know or what I would want them to know? I think a lot of times the attorney, they're focused on bringing the, the case or the file in and then turning it over and, and getting the work done. There's a lot of risk associated. Many of them worry about not, you know, if they don't follow the process or a lot of them are, are worried about their fears of, you know, getting their hands slapped by the bar, right? There's a lot of reasons why they don't put a lot of effort into customer experience. And it's usually just more of kind of they've been doing it so long and they just kind of get into their pattern. But you can create an amazing customer experience by making just simple changes in how you interact with your clients. Having a dedicated person responsible for intake and follow-up with clients, when a client actually you're done doing work with them, doing a simple on offboarding process with them, not just asking them for a Google review, but just doing a simple offboarding, asking them if they have any additional questions, um, making sure that they were happy with the process and learning from the process. You as an attorney learning how you could do things better will make the next process a lot better for your future clients. So ask a lot of questions, make it personalized as much as possible. And I think over time, just learning how to reduce the friction in your processes, one incremental change at a time. Don't try to do too many things, but just make one small change. I think that's most important to really make change in your firm. You don't have to do a lot of things. You don't have to spend a lot of money, but you should be making in incremental change over time. Yeah. I would suggest just after a client signs up, call them and ask them, hey, how easy was this whole process on the scale of one to 10? And if it's yeah. not a 10, they tell you a seven and you're like, well, what have made it 10 or nine? Yeah. They'll tell you what's broken. You interview 10, 12 clients, five or six of them will give you the same answer. You'll yeah. know what to pay attention to. Yeah, for sure. That, that, fascinating. Fascinating. Where do people find you? Oh, by the way, no, before we go there, one more yeah. question. If you have that data, I always look at hiring the right consultants as an investment that usually pays for itself quickly. Yeah. How long does it take for a medium-sized client for you? Yeah, I believe want to rely on having your firm work with them. Yeah, it, it varies obviously depending on how much you know their average matter or case value is over time, but it's pretty quick, right? If we can just take one, add one more client you know, convert them and get them to paid, it usually only takes three to six months at the most. So it's a pretty quick return on investment for most of our clients. Because again, we're, we're, our, I, ideally what I like to focus on is start out on the, the part of your customer experience that has the highest friction, reduce that friction and improve your conversion. And then after that, we like to work ongoing to really like add one more process. So we can make a change to other friction points. We can improve your onboarding process. We like to use video. Like we actually encourage people to, you know, create, we'll, we'll work with them to create video as part of their process because people, they want consumable content these days and it's got to be snackable. So we work with also developing videos in their onboarding process. Uh, like if you have multiple attorneys, we even have it where we can help them develop a video for like onboarding with their clients of just doing something simple, like introducing the firm owner and, and telling the client how much you appreciate that they chose your firm and tell them a little bit about what they should expect. Like simple things like that make a huge difference for the clients and have a huge return on investment for the client or for the, the law firm. 
So, so just to distill it down into numbers, they like numbers. So three to six months, getting one additional client yep. will get them to a positive ROI. Yes. Special for sure. a point. So yeah. if you get anywhere between three to six clients, that will pay for having you work with their firm. But, but it's interesting. If you plan to operate your firm past that point for another 10 years, you're getting a dividend. Yes. For another nine and a half years. Yes, yes. I, I, love, I love your brain and how you think of that. And I am going to definitely take that as a learning. Yeah, thing. I just, I always think about because I've hired Brazilian consultants over the years. Most yeah. were good, right? So whenever I would not do good due diligence to understand what they're going to be good at solving a problem that I want to solve. But if I really did my due diligence and they were definitely a good fit for solving my problem, it's like once that problem is systematically ironed out, it's just all but dividend. Yeah. Right. Because the investment is usually a one time investment. And let's say it costs me 20, 30 grand to solve a problem that is $5,000 per month. Okay. Cool. So in six months, I break even. But if I tend to, uh, if I in, intend to operate for another 10 years, yeah. And that's $5,000 per month. So it's 60 grand per year. Yeah. So that's another $600,000 on the initial investment of 30 grand. I'll take it. Yeah, yeah, pretty good ROI. <laughs> yeah, pretty good ROI. So, like, oh, I'll take it. You know? Yeah, so, exactly. But, but, and this is just such a mind shift for most small business owners. And that definitely includes most lawyers who own their law firms because yeah. 66% of lawyers work in law firms with 10 or fewer attorneys. Yeah. The mindset is that, like, anything or anyone that they hire is a cost. Yeah. And I'm like, no, if you yeah. hire or pay for something that generates more revenue and produces more profitability, that's not a cost. That's an investment. Yeah. Yeah. Or if you buy, or it takes, if you buy another tier, that's yeah. a cost. Yeah. If or you pay for something sure. that it, yeah. it's like, they look at it as a cost, even like hiring a firm administrator, for example, that firm administrator, that non-billable person takes work off of your plate, which means you have more opportunity to sell more clients and do more legal work. And they oftentimes they don't look at it that way. And they're like, well, why would I hire somebody that's not billable? It's like, because they're taking things off of your plate so that you can focus on selling and closing more and going out and marketing to bring more people into your firm. And, and, and there's another aspect to it. If you hire someone that's non-billable, but gives you an hour so free time. Yeah. Or a week and you work 48, weeks a year so they just bought you 48 days of labor yeah that you no longer have to do for a year how would you like to take a vacation or give or take seven weeks yeah yeah it's paid for by this one employee yeah because you no longer have to do all that by the way the administrative bullshit work that you've been doing for all these years that now this one full-timer took over, that is probably, let's say that that full-timer is expensive. You're spending like $80,000 a year on them, plus their payroll taxes plus fringe benefits, it's $100,000, right? Yeah. And they're working 2,000 hours a year. That's 50 bucks per hour. What's your billable rate? 300 bucks. So anytime you do their work, you're discounting your labor by 80%. Yep. Yeah. What's wrong with you? Yeah. Like, why would you do that? You bill your clients 300 bucks an hour and then you go and do $50 an hour of labor, administrative work. Yeah. 
Yeah, we could probably talk about that topic for a week because it is it's so common in in this industry. Hundred percent, hundred percent. It's common across overwhelming majority of small business. It's not just applicable to large. Yeah, more small business owners. Yeah, you need to like reshift your mindset, and usually that doesn't happen until you've been hurt by your own thinking. Yeah, a number of times, and then you're like, I'm fifty. Why am I still dealing with all this bullshit? Yeah. Why am I right. still answering phones for my business? Right. It's, um, I have a friend who I also interviewed on this podcast a couple of me- uh, weeks ago, and his book, 24, uh, 24 Months Turnaround, he runs a staffing company for long runs. Mm-hmm. One of the chapters in the book is, if you don't have an assistant, you are the assistant. Yeah. That's a good good statement. But that's it, right? Like if you don't have an assistant, you are the assistant. I am in the process of getting yet another assistant and I'm interviewing three people, two today and one tomorrow. Average going rate in Philippines where there are excellent virtual assistants who speak excellent English, who value those jobs much, much, much more than someone who is in the US. I have offers from $17.50 to $21 an hour. Mm. My rate to my company is more than tenfold right their rate so why would they do any administrative work it's like i'm cheating my company yeah like i cost to the company i cost more than 200 bucks per hour to the company yeah and i'm doing 20 dollars an hour work so i'm stealing 180 bucks per hour 180 bucks per hour from the company when they do that in work yeah so you're right we can talk about it forever jesse if somebody wants to connect with you and see how you can help their law firm get more clients easily, yep. generate more revenue, and in turn, more profitability. Where do they find you? What's the best way to connect with you? Yeah, the best way, uh, you can email me at freedom at scalelegal.com. I like it. Uh, so that that's an easy one. And then they can visit scalelegal.com. You can book a strategy session with us, and, and we can t- kind of just really understand where your biggest challenges are. We like to focus on one thing at a time because trying to fix... 50 things is complicated. Sure. So, uh, that's the best way to really get started with us. So, last question. Why is it freedom at scalelegal.com? Because our goal is to help them scale their law firms so that they can have more freedom in their life. Love it. Thanks so much. It was such a blast to have you here. All right. Thank you so much, Sasha. I really appreciate you having me on. Thanks for listening to the Grow Law Firm podcast. If you liked the ideas shared in this episode, Help a fellow lawyer out by sharing a link to the episode. This episode is powered by the team of experts in client attraction, growlawfirm.com. Do you want a complimentary growth plan for your law firm? Request it at growlawfirm.com slash blueprint.